0: Amen. Amen. Listen. Hey, thank you, team. Thank you, guys. You may be seated. Um, Man, man, I'm looking forward to today that God actually gives me a wife and daughters that can sing and a son-in-law that can sing. Uh, It'd be nice. No, (laughs) I am very grateful. Hey, one, I want to say thank you to Celebrate Recovery for allowing us to come out and share this night with us. Uh, Thank you, guys. And and I'm beginning to think this is the only way I'm ever going to get to teach at Celebrate Recovery is if I I have a service. So, Uh, But, man, thank you, guys. Uh, We've got a lot to be thankful for. Amen? Amen? Amen. Hey, hey! Uh, I am. I'm so thankful, man, that God has blessed me. God, God has blessed me with an incredible family. I, I'm thankful for my beautiful wife uh, that God has given me, which I punted way out of my. Come on, out of my league, out of my range. Uh, I'm thankful for my kids. Uh, I'm thankful that my two of them, my daughters, my son-in-law, are able to be here tonight. I'm thankful for my grandkids, uh, man. Even on the crazy days. I'm thankful for my grandkids. I'm I'm thankful for staff leadership, for the people that surround me in this church. I'm thankful for the people, the crazy ones that call WBCC home. Thank you, man. Hey, hey Ben, you you got a mic there. Anybody else say, you got one thing you say, I'm thankful for this. Come on, where are you at? Where are you at? Somebody just tell me what you're thankful for. Look, Look about Who said that? God, what right here. Hey, get this guy right here. He's got his hand raised. What, what you got to be thankful? Now, they, they say this is dangerous to do, so we're going to hope it's not.
1: I'm grateful for my health and my family.
0: Come on. Come on. Anybody else? Right over here. Eddie's got right here. This lady right here, and then we'll go to Eddie. I'm
2: thankful just to be here today.
0: Amen. 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 Oh, look. We got firecracker right there. <laughs>
2: I'm thankful for my recovery and just to be alive.
0: Come on. Come on. Amen. Amen. I'm going to run. I'm going to run. I'm just thankful God didn't leave me where I found him, man. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Hey, right back there. little Corbin. Corbin's got some Corbin. This better be good. This scares me right here.
1: Family and Christmas. Woo!
0: Amen. We got one, one more, one more. Who, who's got it? Who's got it? Right here. Right. Here. Oh, we got. Do we have somebody in the back? Well, we'll Give Gene one.
2: Um, I'm thankful for my recovery and the two people that are sitting right here with me. They have been my support, and I'm blessed to have all the girls in the the supper living house.
0: Amen. Amen. <laughs> one more. Go back. Go back here and get uh, Bob Carver's lookalike. Gene, Gene, I'm talking about Gene because he got the hat on. <laughs> I'm thankful that God delivered me from a 30-plus year alcohol addiction. Wow. That was destroying me and my family. I'm thankful for this church, and I'm thankful for God's grace. Amen, amen. Uh, I, I'm thankful to have my brother Stephen, his entire family, with us here tonight. Yeah, absolutely, man. You, you know what else I'm thankful for? That God chose women to give birth and not men. I'm thankful. Come on, man. I'm thankful. Hey, have you ever wondered? Hey, why would God choose to come to Earth this way? Think about it. I mean, have you ever been in a birthing room? Come on now. Uh, If you can't, I will tell you from experience, it is one of the most miraculous, amazing, yet scariest things you will ever be part of. It's crazy. Uh, uh, See, maybe you were from that era where, where you waited outside... And then the, the doctor, as soon as the baby was born, the doctor would come out. Uh, Sir, uh, you're the proud parent of a baby, boy, girl, whatever. And then you handed out cigars and everybody had a great time. I'm not from that era. I'm from the era where they tell you, they invite you, come out of the locker room. Come onto to the playing field. Get right down there in the end zone. That's the era I'm from. Well, they invite you to take part of the birthing process. Now, with Kennedy here, uh, Denise and her best friend, Jan, were eating at at Cracker Barrel when Denise's water broke. So I get a call. Hey, we're on the way to the hospital right away. We got there, and within a span of 8 to 10 hours, Kennedy was born. Kennedy was born via C-section. But when Sheridan was born, it raised my level of experience to a whole nother level. I'm down there in the end zone. I'm trying to make it PG friendly. I'm in the end zone waiting for the ball to be thrown to me. When out, out of my beautiful wife, comes this fat, sumo looking, Baby with white stuff all over her. And I looked at the doctor, I said, She's not done. Put her back in there. Let's go, let's go some more. But as I was thinking about all this, I began to wonder, man, why why would God choose to come to earth that way? That way, and if you're in case you still don 't have the picture of what it 's like for a birthing to take place i 've got a short video I want to show you i 'm just joking i 'm just joking <laughs> so, <laughs> yes exactly uh, but don see how how many moms or dads we got in here come on you, now now let me ask you how how many know this uh it does not matter how much preparation you make for that baby. Something's going to go wrong. Something's going to go wrong. That's my grandbaby. You can have it all mapped out. You can have it written down. But something will go wrong. Let me give you a tip for all those that are expecting a baby, or your first baby, or want to have one in the future. Let me give you some tips. Write down those plans. Make those plans, have you a strategy, and then take whatever you wrote them down on, wad them up, and throw it in the garbage, because something is going to go wrong. It never goes as planned. ever. See, what does that have to do with Christmas? I'm glad you asked. What we just talked about, a woman giving birth to baby. That was not how Israel had envisioned their Messiah coming. Anybody see, ever see the movie Gladiator? Russell Crowe, you see the movie? Uh, uh, that's how they envision their Messiah coming. You, you know that scene where you, you've got uh, Maximus and he's out there on the uh, in the uh, gladiator arena and then the foe, the enemy comes down and he, said, and he says, my name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commanders of the, and he goes through all this thing and you're like, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what they expected the Messiah to show up like. My name is Jesus, Messiah the Christ. The word of God made flesh, commander of armies of heaven, son of the most high God. And I will deliver my people. That's kind of how, that's what they were looking for. Not a baby. And that, wouldn't that not have been awesome? Messiah showed up slinging a sword. Saying something like, I came to chew bubble gum and kick butt and I'm all out of bubble gum. I mean, that would have been. That's, you know, but A baby? a baby. When you read Luke 2, it seems like God does things backwards from what we think would work, don't he? I mean, when you look at, uh, read Luke 2, the Chris story, and you look at the characters, the main characters, in you've got Joseph, this blue collar, average Joe, literally, Nothing special about him. He's engaged to marry this young teenage girl who's now pregnant. And Joseph ain't the baby daddy. You've got this going on. There was a song that came out a few years ago that said, this is such a strange way to save the world. That's what I think. What a strange way to save the world. And then, why would God choose to come to earth, take on human flesh? Why would God choose this blue-collar, average guy named Joe? Why would he then choose to impregnate Joseph's soon-to-be wife, Mary, and then choose to have this baby born in Bethlehem? That's about like God being born in 10 Mile. There was nothing great about Bethlehem. Then they go to Bethlehem. Of course, there's no place in the, uh, no place for them to stay. They end up uh, what we like to think of as a modern-day nativity, a barn-looking thing. It wasn't. It was a cave, and where animals lived, and there was no cri- uh, crib or anything like that. So they have to empty out a trough where the animals normally eat just to lay baby Jesus, God, there. And then, and then I hate I'm, I'm going to burst a lot of your, your Christmas nativity bubbles right now. Contrary to popular belief, the magi weren't even there that night. If you read your Bible, they don't even show up for somewhere around two years after the baby's been born, which makes it even more of a miracle to me. Think about it. The magi show up to a toddler's house to worship him. Have you ever met a toddler? A two-year-old, and they show up to worship him. Everything about this story is crazy to me. Why did God choose to come into this wor- our world this way? In Isaiah, Kennedy was actually going to read this scripture. I said, oh, that's my main scripture for the night. So she didn't read it. Uh, so, but Isaiah, there's a prophecy given about the coming Messiah that I think lays out. The reason he chose to come this way. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. There's one of those descriptions that really stick out to me. I hear Wonderful Counselor, man, that's great. Prince of Peace, that's great. Mighty God. The one that really sticks out to me is when he said he will be an everlasting Father. Father. In that moment, Jesus gets revealed as Father. Father. Just the word Father evokes a lot of images and emotions for people. Some good. Man, you hear the word father. I had an incredible dad growing up. I, an incredible dad. So when I hear the word father, man, it it elicits all these images of a great dad and, and memories of a great dad. But I can tell you this as a dad myself. Being a dad isn't easy. Are you hearing me? It's not easy. We, we're... We make a lot of mistakes. But the reality is this. Not all of us have fond memories of a dad. Not all of us, when we hear the word father or dad, it elicits all these good images. Here's a problem we run into, though. And tonight, I've titled this A Tale of Two Fathers. Because what we run into is when we think about our earthly father, whether it's good or bad, what we tend to do Is to project that image of a father onto our heavenly father. We tend to look at Jesus, our everlasting father, through the lens of our earthly father. And when we do that, it can become very dangerous because then it begins to, it, it makes it hard to see clearly the everlasting father because we're looking at him through the lens of what? Our earthly father was like so tonight and i'm going to be quick we're going to look at the lens through the lens of two different fathers the first is our earthly father and some of you will be able to relate to this more than others but the first of this maybe you look at him because your father was a father you could never please Father, you can never please. The words I love you or I'm proud of you, maybe you didn't hear those words as a child. And it became something like a treasure that you would, you, you would try to do stuff to earn those words, just to be noticed, just to be accepted. You wanted to feel that affirmation, but it wasn't there. Um, any, anybody, there was a show that came on a few years ago. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson was the host of it. It was called Wake Up Call. I don't know if you ever saw that. Rock would take these people that at one time had been in great shape, but life had hit and they found themselves very much out of shape. Well, one episode I remember, Denise will remember this, was a guy named Javier. Javier had been a football player at high school up through college, but now at 30 years old, he's a high school football coach. At 30 years old, he is over 400 pounds. And so The Rock, I, I remember this so clear. The Rock sits down with him and begins to talk about growing up and the influence Javier's dad had on him growing up. Here's what Javier said about his dad, if you'll bring that up. He was the greatest cheerleader, but also my greatest critic. I was made to feel like I never measured up to his expectations of me as a son, a man, and as a football player. Sadly, many of you, many of you know that feeling felt like you never measured up for your dad you couldn't do enough maybe you even went to the point where because you knew i couldn't do you you rebelled a little bit maybe if i rebel maybe if i do this maybe that'll get the attention of my dad so when you hear everlasting father the lens you see our heavenly Father, are, are, the, the lens you see him through, when you see it through that earthly Father, is this a Father I could never live up to their expectations? The second lens you may see is a Father who is always angry. You know the dad that would come home from work and you felt like you had to walk on eggshells around him because you knew at any moment they could fly off the handle. Maybe your dad said words that hurt you, and he'll never be able to take them back. And I know there are those sitting here right now that you've not only experienced painful words, but you've experienced abuse at the hands of someone called your dad. And if you look through the lens, that lens to your heavenly father, then what you see is a father that is just angry. And a a heavenly father that's angry at you all the time. The third, maybe an absent father. One who was seldom there for you. Maybe because of a divorce. Maybe it's that, that up to that divorce dad was there all the time and now somebody that was all the time there, now hardly is ever there. Or maybe the divorce caused them to walk out completely on your life. Maybe your dad was taken from you at an early age, maybe your dad just abandoned you altogether. I'll never forget when Denise and I were first married. we have been married two or three years. And April, our daughter, Denise had April when we got married. She was 15 years old. And Denise was having to take April's dad to court because in 15 years he had never provided anything for his daughter. And Denise never would let me go to court with her. And I understood why, because I'm not as nice then as I am now. Now I'm pretty level-headed. But I'll never forget Denise coming home, and she was so angry. She was angry because of the hurt that April's dad had, had some words that he had said because he looked at the judge and said, I've got two kids I'm trying to raise right now. I don't want her. Maybe you know that feeling all too well yourself. Whatever the situation, your dad was absent. You don't know what it's like to have a dad to just put his arms around you and comfort you or cheer you on, be there to teach you how to ride a bike or uh, throw the ball with. I don't know your story. But here's what I'm asking Whatever reason the dad, that, that thought of dad or father elicits those bad images, what I'm asking you to do is set that lens down for a moment and look through the lens the word gives us of our everlasting father. Because this is who he really is. He is a father full of compassion. Look what the psalmist says about him in Psalms 103.8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, gracious slow to angry, abounding in love. The message says it like this, God is sheer mercy and grace. I love the passions paraphrasing of it. Lord, you're so kind and tenderhearted and so patient with people who fail you. Your love is like a flooding river overflowing its banks with kindness. Facts our everlasting Father. That's Jesus. Compassionate, sheer mercy and grace, slow to get angry. He's patient. Even when we fail him, that's our everlasting Father. One of the most free, get this, one of the most freeing and liberating things you can, moments you can ever have is when you come to this realization that there is absolutely nothing you can do to earn his love. Nothing. He just loves you. Maybe you had a dad that his love for you depended on how well you performed, how well you did. And now you've got this mindset, I have to perform. If if I had to do that for my earthly father, then God, I've got to do this for my heavenly father. I've got to always be in perform. So you go to church, you read your Bible, you pray, you give, you serve. But it's not because you're so overwhelmed with the grace and love of God. It's because you feel like you've got to do those things for him to love and accept you. Should you go to church? I I believe so. Should you read your Bible? Yes. Should, Should you pray? Yes. Should you give? Yes. But whether you do those things or not, those things do not determine his love for you. He is compassionate, full of mercy and grace. He is patient with us. This is our everlasting Father. Look what Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight: Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle, humble in heart. You will find what? Rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. In other words, learn to just rest in his love. Rest in his grace. Live a life that glorifies God. But stop thinking that it's all up to you. That will wear you out. His grace is enough. I'm telling you, through your relationship with Christ, he accepts you. And there's nothing we can do. God cannot love you any more or any less than he does right now. Our everlasting father is full of compassion. Secondly, he is a father who really cares about you. Let me remind you, or maybe for some of you hearing this for the first time, what God says about you. This is what our everlasting Father, the one that came, that was prophesied, would come. This is what he says about you in Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. And here's my favorite, plans to give you hope and a future. Our everlasting Father says, hey, hey, here are my plans for you. You want to know what I have planned for you? I want to give give you hope and a future. I think a lot of times that God wants a hope and a future for us more than we want it. And I think sometimes we think, well, Kelly, that's great, but I don't deserve to have a hope and a future because of what I've done in the past where I've been, what I've said. Can, can, can I be honest with you? You don't deserve it. And neither do I. That's what, That's what makes it grace. That's what makes it grace. That's what makes it so incredible. It doesn't matter what you've done, how far you've fallen, how broken you are. God says, I want to give you hope in the future. Maybe you look at your past, and you, there's no hope, no future there. God says, I can change that. Check out what Jesus says about you in Matthew 6, 26. He says, look at the birds. They don't plant, harvest. They don't store up food in the barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Do you know why your environment, who you hang out with, is so critical? Do you know why it's so critical? Here's what I've learned. If I can get a person If I can get someone in an environment where they feel valued and loved, if I can get them in in an environment where they feel like the people are for them, want them to do good, guess what? They're halfway home. They're halfway there. It's all in who you hang, what your environment is. That's why I believe church on Sundays is critical. That's why I believe Wednesdays are critical. That's why I believe CR is critical. That's why I believe it's important to have people in your life that will kick your tail when when you need it, but it's because they love you. Some of you, a change in your environment will change the whole trajectory of your life. If there's only one thing you can get out of this night, I want you to get this. Jesus, your everlasting Father, is is compassionate. He cares deeply for you. He's not angry or upset with you. He loves you. He cares about you. And if you can just get that, you're halfway there. Finally, he is a Father who is always there. Listen to me. You never come to church again. You never read your Bible again. You never pray again. You completely go off the rails and relapse. Even if you do everything possible wrong, he is always there. He says this in Hebrews thirteen five: I will never leave you, never. And I will not loosen my grip on your life. Get that in you. I'll never leave you. I won't loosen my grip on your life. Do you know what that word never means in the Greek? Never. I remember Kennedy and Sheridan. One Christmas, I bought Sheridan this, I mean, Kennedy, this little four wheeler. It's like an 80, uh, little four and, and And after they'd had a while, we had this trail because we used to, uh, me and my brother Stephen used to really be in the, in, in the, uh, trail bikes, and we 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 had this whole trail going all over his property. And I remember one day they were out back riding it, and I hear a crash, and then I see Ken, uh, Kennedy and Sheridan come running to the back porch. They are bruised, their knees are scraped, they're crying. And what had happened? The throttle on the four wheeler stuck, and they didn't know what to do, so they just went straight into this big pile of brush. You know what I didn't do? I didn't say, now girls, that was very dangerous what you did and stupid. Couldn't you have done it a different way? You know what I did? I reached down, grabbed them up in my arms. I said, it's going to be all right. I cleaned the scrapes and bruises up. I took the clothes that had been torn and gave them other clothes to put on. Maybe you're here tonight and life has dealt you some major blows. Maybe you're here bleeding at the knees, bleeding at the elbows. Maybe you've been broken. Maybe everybody knows you're broken or maybe nobody does. Only you know the details, but here's what I do know. If you'll just start running toward the Father, He won't kneel down and tell you how stupid you've been or how you could have done things better or why, he will say, hey, 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 it's going to be all right. Let me clean that up. Let me wash that off. Let me give you something new to wear. That's our everlasting Father. 1 John 3 says, Look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that He has lavished on us. He has called us and made us His very own beloved children. Why? Because that's who your everlasting Father is. I know some of you, when you hear the word Dad or Father, it doesn't bring up good images or memories. But I'm here to tell you, replace that with who the Bible says your everlasting father is. Here we are as my grandkids in Memphis, and we are two sleeps away from Christmas. And we celebrate the birth of Jesus, but we don't just celebrate the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. When we celebrate Christmas, what we're doing is celebrating that in that moment in history, When God invaded our world and he took on flesh and blood through Jesus and he began this journey from the manger to the cross where he would eventually die for every one of your sins, every one of my sins. He would eventually die for the mess you've made, for the mess I've made. For your brokenness and my brokenness, he loves you. I want to close out with a song. Thank you, Bob. Are we in B?
1: Thank you, buddy. And I've got a friend Closer than a brother No judgment, or
0: how he loves you. I've got It doesn't bring up good memories. It doesn't bring up pleasant memories. Maybe you just maybe you're here and you'd even say, you know, it wasn't just physical abuse or verbal abuse. My father used me in ways he should never have. That's your earthly. I'm telling you, your heavenly father says, Come, come, come to me. But maybe it doesn't bring up those good memories night, man, you want to feel the embrace of a heavenly, everlasting Father. Let you just raise your hand. And I want to pray with you. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, all over the place. All over the place. All right, you can put your hands down. Here's what I want to ask. I know this is a big ask. Let's keep those lights where they're at I know this is going to be a big ask if you raise your hand because I want our prayer team to come up and what I want you to do prayer team I just want you to if they're open to letting you hug them I want you to say hey this is from the Father and just begin to pray over them you raise your hand I want you to step out and come up right now come on Come on, we need some ladies. We need some ladies to pray. Pansy, would you mind coming over here and helping us over here? Tiffany, come on up. Men, right over here, yeah. Come on up, men. Bob, would you mind going down? Tyler can cover you come down here and help them pray? Barbara Harris, come on down and help us pray. man. We've got ladies up here that need, need prayer. I'm telling you, God is doing some healing right now, right now. Right now God's going to do some ministering, some healing. Melinda? Gina? Right? Yeah, these two young ladies right here. These two young ladies right here, yes. Bob, this gentleman right here coming behind you. I'm telling you, God is doing some healing right now. This This is from your Father. He's saying, I love you. I, I don't care what you've done. I don't care how far you've wandered off. What matters is this moment right now. And I want you to feel the embrace of a, of an everlasting father that's telling you you are good enough. You don't have to perform. You are good enough. And allow his love to change you. Come on, Kennedy
1: Tyler. Jesus. So I could
2: Back there in the UPS outfit, and think and think about what I didn't deserve, the grace I didn't deserve from somebody that was so willing to give it to me. That's what this communion is. It's saying, Jesus, you know, I know I don't deserve what you've done. I know there's nothing I could do to repay it. I know there's nothing I could do whatsoever. But thank you, thank you. I know we're all from different walks of life in here different places and different stages of our walk with him but one thing we can be sure of is that he loves us he loves us i don't care what you think about jesus i don't care if you got some idea in your mind or you're not even sure that he 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 really is god that don't matter because he loves you he loves you not only was he born but he grew up to be a man and he got beaten crucified just for you So as we take this um, cup tonight, I ask you to take the bread out, the wafer, and I just think about what He did for me on the cross, that agonizing trip. You know, we think about the Christmas story, but man, it's all a bunch of dramatic circumstances. It's not a a lot of happiness goes on. It's not until the end. When he rises again, that we can find real happiness and security. But he was beaten and wounded for our transgressions. His body was broken. So I ask you to take this bread and break it. Take it. Lord Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you for the sacrifice you've made. We thank you for the punishment you endured for us, God, for us the doctor, lawyer, the prostitute the president nobody deserves it but we thank you we thank you for that and next we're going to talk about the blood man, when I think about the blood dude, I can't help but get choked up I can't help but get choked up those of y'all knew me a few years ago know why I can't help but get choked up because Jesus radically changed my life He radically changed my life. So when I'm telling you these things, I'm not talking from a perspective of somebody who doesn't know what it's like to be the worst of the worst, to be the biggest piece of crap and see God totally alter your life. But this blood right here that was spilled for you on on Calvary, this is what it's about, guys. This is what it's about, ladies. And he did that for you. And here's what I want tonight there's a lot of people that might not be in the best situations might be going through something but here's what i want you to know that he shed his blood for you he shed his blood for you you might not be able to get to see your kid this christmas but he shed his blood for you here's what you can be sure of this can be a memory of the first best christmas you've had for the rest of your life it can be a memory you look back on and say god that's where it all started that's where it all started so as we take this tonight, we're just going to thank you for His sacrifice. You can take the cup, Lord Jesus. We thank you, God, that somebody like me can get on stage and and just talk to your people, talk to your children. That uh, you you don't lock we don't lock eyes with somebody that doesn't matter to the heart of God. god as we go out there but god the fact is when we keep saying it is that none of us deserve the awesome grace that you've given us nobody deserves it and we just thank you we thank you for the baby that was born that grew up into grew up to be a man and suffered a horrible death and then rose three days later and jesus